The Lord reigns. He's clothed with majesty. The Lord has clothed and girded himself with strength. Am I pleased about that? Because I've got to tell you, I've got no strength. Luckily, I did gird myself. You'll all be pleased about that. Right, we're going to start off tonight singing hymn number 70, which is, It Passeth Knowledge, That Dear Love of Thine. One, uh, sorry, hymn number 70, seven zero. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather here tonight to praise your name and to hear more about you. Lord, we long to learn things from your Holy Spirit. Lord, we open our hearts that you might pour into them what you need out of us. We just pray, Lord, that you will just fill us with that knowledge of you that makes us want to serve you more and more. So we ask that you be with us tonight during this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right, Richard, you have some notices. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Rosemary has a card that we'd like to send to Michael and Christine Neve. 
who were going to be here this week, but Michael's not very well and couldn't travel, so we're going to send him a best wishes card. Uh, the evening speakers for the rest of the week. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, will be Roy Bedford. On Wednesday, Debbie Peck from Lanny. And on Thursday, Joan Hall. Uh, Friday will be a Friday night is music night. Uh, informal, led by Sheila. Uh, the skip at the bottom has been replaced for a bigger one. Uh, that doesn't mean you can get rid of your deck chairs and everything. It's just for general rubbish, please. Uh, there's recycling in Raider and Landod. And to say that the tuck shop will be open in the evenings only, not in the mornings, starting tonight. Adults welcome. Uh, tomorrow morning for the team there will be a meeting in the lounge after the morning meeting. 11.15 precisely. Right, after that we're all going to sing again. We're going to sing in the back of the books S6. S6. You may stand, sit, dance, swing from the rafters. If you want it. They're going to come and tell us what the Lord's been doing for them. I don't know whether it's over six months, 30 years, I don't know how long, but we're going to find out. I'm the short one. Um, my name is Janet and this is my husband Jim. And we've been married for... 41, dear. 42 years. 42, dear. <laughs> <laughs> She's been here for a year. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure what they wanted us to do. I thought they just wanted us to pick some, a couple of scriptures that meant something to us. So... The, the, the scriptures that I picked are um, Revelations 3 verse 20, which everyone, I think, knows. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and will dine with him and he with me. And this was a scripture before I became a Christian that people kept saying to me, but it didn't really mean very much to me uh, I just didn't didn't really mean very much to me but just before I did get saved um, the scripture that meant something to me was a little bit further on and it's Revelations 3.16 and it says because you are neither hot nor cold I will spit you out of my mouth say it still means something to me now um and that was the verse that i um thought about and that was the verse i was reading when jesus showed me how much he loved me um showed me himself on the cross um this man who hadn't done anything wrong was dying on the cross oh, because of the things that i had done wrong because of my sin and um because he showed me how much he loved me it um caused me to brought me to my knees in repentance and that was when um, I got saved. Another verse that was very special to me was John 15 verse 16 which says um, you didn't choose me I chose you to go forth and bear fruit. I liked the first bit that he had chosen me but I wasn't too sure about the the bearing fruit bit um, but the Bible says that's what it says it says you know where is it? I've chosen you. Um, and where is it? I've lost it. Uh, no, thank you. That's it. And I've appointed you to bear fruit. 
Um, and so that's what it says in the Bible. And so over the years, I've learned to believe what it says in the Bible. So whether I can see it or I can't see it, um, other people do see fruit that I've born. Not because I've done anything, but because I've relied on God's grace and he has done it. But the, um, <laughs> the biggest thing that he's done is in Matthew um, 19, verse 6. Because it says, there are no longer two but one flesh. Whatever God has joined, <laughs> let no man separate. Now that's got to be a work of grace. Those of you who know me know how I'm a grace grower in my husband's life. Um, and I just, I just thank God for his grace, the grace that saved me, the grace that's kept me, and the grace that's kept our marriage. And the last one is Philippians 1, 3. Um, this one is when I learned how to pray effectively. That's what I call it anyway. And um, it says, Philippians 1 verse 3, I can't see because of the tears. <coughs> I, thank my God, I thank my God in all of my remembrances of you. In verse 6, I am confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you <laughs> will perfect it until the day of Christ. So that's the good work he started in me. My husband, oh, my daughter, my son, who's not quite with us at the moment, um, my son-in-law and my grandchildren. Oh, so each day I read this to God and remind him that this is his word and his word doesn't lie and that he's going to complete what he started in my life, my husband's life and my children's lives. Oh. Thanks, Pat. a little known word and it says Slava Domnale Glory to God for what he's done praise the Lord he's not just a door our saviour Jesus and uh, I didn't know what Janet was going to say at all you know uh, but if you've got any problems go and see the boss and see Jesus and I was blessed when I uh, many times when I, I read this scripture and, and I give it to as many people as I can especially strangers maybe you're not going to see for a long time leave me a little note or send him a letter put it at the bottom John chapter 10 verse 10 Jesus said I am the gate those who come in through me will be saved. Isn't that fantastic? Good news. Wherever they go, they will find green pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give life and all its fullness. I rob myself all the time. I can be the thief. I can hang on to things that are hurting me. I can uh, be disturbed and not forgive, you know. Circumstances are allowed to rule when we should give them away, give them to the Lord. Because the yoke that we carry is far too heavy, but he wants us to carry a light yoke so we can bless his name. And so we remind ourselves that he is the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Hallelujah. And uh, that's really blessed me. And the other one, and... This guy behind me, Alan, oftentimes, he knows what I'm going to say when I stand up. He's gonna, I'm going to say, praise the Lord, or something like that, you know. And David, King David, said the same. And I can't understand it, but it, it works. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. 
bless the Lord, O my soul, and talking to myself, and forget not all his benefits. You see, he forgives all my sins, and he heals my diseases. He redeems my life from the pit. Not the pit of circumstances sometimes, because sometimes life is tough, but from the pit of hell. He's drawn me from there, and he's got me in a place of sonship. So I'm a citizen of heaven. Bless his wonderful name. And what does he say in, in the psalm there? He crowns you. He, he puts things on your head, not just a pair of glasses. He's going to crown you with love and compassion. And he'll satisfy your desires. I've got a soft spot for motor vehicles. Most people know that, you know. But it doesn't compare at all with the good things that the Lord provides for me so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. What I'm really saying is, what a mighty saviour we have in Jesus. He is the door. He is the gate. And we are free. Thank God to bless his wonderful name wherever we are. Bless him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Janet and Jimmy. Now, they're leaving tomorrow. Sad to say. I'd just like to say what a blessing they've been over the years to, uh, to us as a family and to this conference especially for the work they've done. I'm not saying they're not coming back again because they will. I think Jimmy's going to have his knees done and then he's going to come back and see us again. It, uh, it prompted the surgeon to mutter that old line, What's a joint like this doing in a bloke like you? <laughs> but now we can come before the Lord in prayer. <coughs> Shall we pray? <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love each one of us. We thank you that you came and died for us. Lord, keep that ever before us. Whatever we're doing, whatever state we're in, Lord, just let us know that our standing with you is secure. That because of what Jesus did on that cross, we can go on coming to you. We can come in repentance, but we can walk away forgiven and clean. All because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for this conference. We thank you for the people who make it happen. We thank you for Alan and his team of tent elves who come and put this tent up and put everything out for us to make it as comfortable as possible. We thank you, Lord, that you sent the rain this week so that the grass is now green again and not that muddy colour it was before. But we also thank you that you're sending the sunshine for us from now on so that we might have a comfortable stay. Lord, we ask you to bless us through your words. We ask, we ask you to help us praise you as we ought. And we just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit might come to each one of us with the knowledge that you want us to have. Lord, we read in Deuteronomy that there are secret things that only you know. And Lord, we don't worry about those. We just know they're safe with you. But Lord, everything else, we just ask that you would pour out in blessing upon us. We read, Lord, Lord in, uh, in Micah, that, that you are willing to pour out of the windows of heaven all the blessings that we need, the grace that we require, so that there is no more need. And we would ask that you do that tonight, if we'll only come to you completely. Lord, let us just give up everything to follow you. So, Lord, we ask that you be with us tonight in this uh, meeting, and that you will tell us exactly what you want to tell us. Lord, we pray for Sheila as she brings your word, but we pray for us as we hear it. So if there's a discrepancy between what she says and what we hear, 
we pray, Lord, that it's you that's doing it so that we might be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Paul's going to come and read to us. Right, I'm going to read the entire book of Philemon. So, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear, dear friend and fellow worker. To Apphir, our sister. To Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God because... I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith and in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, alone Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favour you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done any you, If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more th thing, and one thing more. Prepare a, a guest room for me, because I hope to, to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner, prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Thank you for that. <laughs> We're now going to sing again. It's uh, hymn number 69. It is surely sufficient for me. Who's going to come and speak to us? Good evening. It is a nice evening, isn't it? Compared to yesterday, when I think it was raining when we were in the tent, it's an absolutely wonderful evening. But today we're going to look at this letter of Philemon. And it's the short, one of the shortest letters, I think it is the shortest letter that Paul wrote. And there are three main characters in this letter. There's Onesimus, who was a slave. There's Paul who we all know about, and Philemon, who was a, the slave owner. And they've all got something to teach us about our walk with Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. What have these three people got to teach us about Jesus and our walk with him? 
So we'll start with Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave. Now, can you imagine being a slave? I, I just can't imagine being a slave. I'm used to being able to do what I want. You know, if I want to go out in the car, I can go out in the car. If I want to go anywhere, I can go anywhere. It, and I'm used to that and I expect that. So in this country, that's what we're used to. We're used to having the freedom to do anything we can within reason. We can go anywhere and we can do whatever we want. So we can't even sometimes even begin to imagine what it must be like to, be, to have that freedom completely curtailed. You know, you're always at someone's beck and call. I don't know how I cope with that. I really don't, but as a slave, we're always at someone, they were always someone's beck and call. Never had any time to call their own. Often treated abominably by the master. And they had no rights. Think how we stand on our rights today at times. Slaves had no rights at all. No rights of ownership, no rights of any kind. The master, whoever he was, had the sole and complete authority over your life if you were a slave. And you know what? He had the right to terminate that life if he wanted to. That's, to us, that's no life at all, is it? And at the time that Paul was writing, there were 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. And there, were, there was a great worry by the, for the Romans because the thought was that if these 60 million people might rise up en masse in rebellion, and it was a constant threat to the Romans. So it's no surprise then, is it, when we hear that, that rebellion of slaves was dealt with extremely severely, very often by death. And if you were not put to death, the very least thing was you were branded on the forehead with the letter F, which marked you out forever as a fugitive and a runaway slave. But do you know what? It didn't stop people trying to escape. Many of these slaves led such miserable lives that they were willing to do anything to run away and to escape and make a bid for freedom which was preferable to staying where they were. And this is what Onesimus did. Onesimus made a bid for freedom, and Onesimus got all the way to Rome. I think he came from Colossus, and he came all the way to Rome. And whilst he was there, he met Paul. He'd run away from his master Philemon in a bid for freedom. But, you know, he found, I would imagine, that he'd run away from his immediate problems and, yes, it gave him a freedom of sorts, but really it was a bit of a false freedom. Because what he'd done was exchange one set of constricting circumstances for another. He no longer had to do what Philemon told him, and in theory, he was free to go wherever he wanted. In theory, he was free to do whatever he liked, when he liked. But the reality in his life wasn't like that. The reality was that he could never feel safe or secure anywhere. He could never be at peace within himself. Because as a runaway slave, he would always be looking back over his shoulder to see if anyone was coming for him. And, you know, if they did, that would mean big, big trouble for him. You know, we can run away from God. We are like that slave sometimes. We run away from God. But running away from our problems and from God is not always the answer, is it? But how often we find ourselves running away from him. Maybe we've done or said something wrong and we lose our peace about it. 
we don't have peace in our hearts any longer because we know that what we said or did was wrong. It was not what Jesus would have wanted us to say or do. It was not done out of love. And we do know what we should do about it. We know we should turn back to God and say sorry. But you know, sometimes we refuse. We refuse to turn back to God. And when we do that, we are in effect running away from God. And we lose our peace. I remember earlier on this year, and I did something and um, I agreed to something that I really, I thought it was right at the time, but afterwards I was really quite worried about what I'd done. And uh, I thought, I'm going to have to share this with Richie. I repented about it and I told the Lord I was sorry and I shouldn't have done it, but would I share it? No. Alan was talking about reputation and losing your reputation and I was worried that, you know, I would show myself up in a bad light. And for weeks, I wouldn't do it. But I found myself waking up in the night thinking, I'll share it with him tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but I never did. And it got worse and worse, and the burden sort of on my heart got worse and worse. And in the end, I did share it with him. And he said to me, I don't know what you were worried about. No, there was not a problem. But it was a problem to me. And it was something I was keeping from him. And I, and I knew the Lord was saying to me, you've got to share it. And I was, in effect, running away from God and what he was telling me to do. And we can all do that. You know, when you know he's told you to do something, but you don't want to. So you refuse to do it. In effect, you are running away from God. When you know you're putting yourself in temptation's way. And we all do that at times. And maybe it's the second time you've done it. Or the third time. Or the fourth time. But we still do not listen to that still small voice of conscience telling us not to do it. The Holy Spirit is in there telling us not to do it, but we still go ahead and do it anyway. And you know, effectively, we are running away from God. We know he's telling us not to do it, but we go ahead and we do it. And it's easy, isn't it, to run away from God uh, and like Onesimus, to feel that, you know, we've we've um, gained our freedom we've not got a problem we're, we're doing very well thank you but you know it's a false freedom so often it's a false freedom like it was for me because we lose our peace we open ourselves up to guilt and deep deep down in our heart and soul we know we know that we're in the wrong and the problem is that when we run away from God, it can be very difficult to stop. The further you get, the less you want to stop and, and then turn back to him. It's not easy to stop running and turn back to him because something inside us prevents us from doing what we know we should be doing. And you know what? We don't seem to have any control over that thing that's inside us. Have you noticed that, you know, sometimes you just can't stop doing these things. No matter how much you'd like to, you can't stop. Well, Onesimus was running away and he ran away because he was a slave. And you know what? The Bible tells us that we too are slaves. We're not slaves in the same way as Onesimus was a slave, but the Bible tells us that we are slaves to something called sin. In John 8, verse 34, Jesus is speaking and he says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And Paul tells us all about it in Romans, that we are slaves to sin. 
So if we're slaves to sin and sin is our master, then we've got to obey him. He has sole and complete authority over your life. He's in control of that something inside us that prevents us from doing what God wants us to do. But you know, if you've come to know Jesus, you know that he died on the cross for you, you know that he took the punishment for your sin. And for that, not just the whole bag full of sins, but for that particular sin that you are running away from. And not only that, he gave us new life. He gave us his life so that we've got the power to, to live a life in which sin is no longer our master, but Christ is because we know what to do with sin when it comes into our lives. If we're Christians, we know that we can go to the cross with it and we know we can turn back to Jesus with it. We need to confess specific sin. And you know what? Then we find it is forgiven and it is cleansed and we are filled with the Spirit and our heart and mind are at peace with God again. But you know, we don't know how Onesimus got into Rome. We don't know how long it took him. But he ended up there. And he met Paul. And you know what? Paul introduced him to his friend Jesus. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus had been with him all that time? Onesimus didn't know but Jesus had been with him and was watching over him as he went to Paul in Rome. And do you know what? It's the same with you in your life. You might not be aware of it, but Jesus has his hand on you all the time. You might be thinking you're doing a great job avoiding him, but wherever you are, whatever you're doing or have done, Jesus knows all about it and he's just waiting, waiting for you to turn back to him. A few years ago now, Richie and I took somebody down the motorway and we were driving from what was Quinta in, mid in Wales and, um, and we drove down, it was near Oswestry, Street and we drove down the motorways and we were driving to Torquay. Rich was driving this person's car and I was following behind in our car so we could get back home again. And we'd, made, we'd decided where we were going to stop for lunch. And I couldn't quite remember where it was, but I knew it was a services somewhere near Bristol. I didn't know where this turn-off was or anything. And we got closer and closer to Bristol and I was fine. I was following him and not a problem. Then we got about, I don't know, I thought it was about 10 miles away, I suppose it must have been. And all of a sudden, I lost him. Couldn't find him anywhere. Because we were getting near the docks and there were lorries and, you know, huge great lorries appearing. And you know what Bristol's like for traffic. I could not see him. And I was getting really worried because I didn't know where I was going to get off. So I'm sort of driving along, just thinking, I hope he knows what he's doing, and I hope I know what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden, just before we got to the turn-off, there he was. So I, I pulled over, and I followed him, and I pulled into the services, and I said, where were you? I lost you. And Rich said to me, you might have lost me, but I never <coughs> lost you. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that what the Lord is, it's what it's like sometimes in the Christian life? We're walking along by the skin of our teeth, you know, flying by the seat of our pants, really. It's faith that carries us through. And we don't know where the Lord is in this particular situation. But at the right time, just when we need him, the Lord will appear. You know, I might have lost him, but he has never lost me. I think that is such a lovely picture 
of how the Lord looks after us. And I don't know your situation in life. I don't know how you are in your walk with the Lord. But I do know one thing. Jesus has his hand on you wherever you may wander. And whatever sort of a mess you've got yourself into. Jesus knows where you are. He's waiting for you to turn back to him. So Onesimus has run away from his master. But he ran to Rome. And lo and behold, he met Paul, who was in prison there. And you know what? Paul took him under his wing. Paul accepted him. In whatever state he was in, Paul accepted him. And he did not judge him. We were talking to somebody at our church the other day, and, and, and she was saying, she was saying to somebody, I don't go to church, but she said, if I did, she said, I would go to this church. And one of the reasons she gave was because they do not judge me. You know, we've got to be so careful, haven't we, that we don't judge the people who might turn up at church. This person felt that she was condemned by lots of people, but she felt that in this church she was welcome. And that is as it should be. In the church, these people should be welcome. And he didn't just welcome him, but Paul took him and took him, take him under his wing, but Paul told him all about Jesus. And Onesimus, the runaway, became a Christian. And for him, it was the beginning of a whole new life. So I would imagine he'll be quite excited to see what would happen next, really. So one day he was talking to Paul, and, uh, and, I was, and Paul was talking to him, and all of a sudden Paul said to him, you need to return to your master. Can you imagine? I, could, I would imagine he'd have thought Paul would say to him, well, just stay with me. No, not a problem. You can stay with me and, and look after me. But Paul said, you need to return to your master. So Paul was sending this new Christian back to this dangerous situation, as it would have been in his mind. He sent him back to Philemon. He sent him back to face an uncertain future. And you know, sometimes he sends us back to sort something out in our lives you know, our Philemon, so to speak. Because some things in our lives can get in the way of the fellowship and can get in the way of the peace with the Lord. I was listening to a tape the other day and um, someone was talking about days when this conference used to meet at Clevedon, which rather dates this tape that I was listening to, but still. And they were talking about a lady who was a respected member of the leadership and they said she would join in the meetings and she would repent of things and she would talk about her walk. But she never really had peace with Jesus. But then one day she came into that meeting, that fellowship meeting, and she confessed to being a kleptomaniac. This was one of the ladies who had been on the leadership team and she'd had this in her background. And the Lord wouldn't let it go. And the Lord said, I'm going to take you back. I'm going to send you back to that place where, that you have not yet got sorted out with me. Just as he did with Onesimus uh, and Philemon. <coughs> and she took it to the cross. And she repented. And she finally, finally found that peace that had eluded her. But the Lord will do that to us sometimes. And we need to turn back to him. But you know, Paul didn't send Onesimus back totally on his own. He sent him back with a letter. He sent him back with a letter pleading for leniency on his behalf. Because Philemon could, if he wanted to, put Onesimus 
to death. This was not an easy thing that was being asked of Onesimus. And Paul was aware of it and he interceded with Philemon for him. But he asked him to take him back, not just as a slave, but as a brother. This was asking a lot. Because in the eyes of the law, he didn't deserve such treatment. And Paul even went so far as to offer to pay Onesimus debts for him, saying, if he's done you any wrong or he owes you anything, just charge it to me. Does this remind you of what Jesus has done for us? It does me. Because, you know, because of our sin, we deserve to be punished by death. But Jesus took all our sin and he died on that cross for us. He died on that cross for the, so that the whole world could turn back to him. But he particularly died so that I could turn and you could turn to him. And in the eyes of the law, we deserve to die. But Jesus took that treatment we deserved and he paid our debt to God. What grace. What grace that is. It gives to the poor and needy and the undeserving what they don't deserve, what they can't earn. And it gives it to me and it gives it to you. But that's not all that Jesus did for us because he's now at the right hand of the Father in heaven and he is pleading with God for us. He's interceding with God for us. He is our mediator in heaven. He's our advocate speaking up for us. He intercedes for sinners, just like Paul did on Onesimus' behalf. Onesimus had Paul speaking up for him, and that was great. But do you know what? We have someone on our side in heaven. Jesus is there speaking on our behalf. How fantastic is that? We have a friend speaking up for us in the courts of heaven. But what about Philemon? Philemon was the person who'd owned Onesimus. He was a Christian. He was a friend of Paul's. But how did he feel about what Paul was asking of him? How was he going to react when Paul asked him to take the slave back? To forgive him? To pardon him? Onesimus had broken the law. He was guilty of running away. And it's thought that before he went, he stole some money from Philemon. Both these crimes could be punishable by death. But Philemon was being asked to forgive him. So what would he do? Well, Onesimus had once been a member of his household, but he had let them down. What was he going to do? Well, we don't know what the outcome is, but whatever happened, we know that it wouldn't have been easy for him to do what Paul wanted. What we do know is that the Bible tells us that we should forgive. Each one of us should forgive those who have wronged us. But forgiveness is not always easy, is it? Forgiveness can be very, very costly. How costly often depends on how upset, offended or hurt we are by what has happened to us. But, you know, if we are to walk with the Lord and obey God, we must forgive, no matter how much it costs us in repentance, how much it costs us in brokenness, how much it costs us in submission to God's will. None of these things are easy. But it's what God asks of us. 
So Philemon had at least three courses of action open to him. He could take him back and have him severely punished for his crime. He could have him put to death. And you know, this is what the law would have him do. And we do like, don't we, to see people getting what we consider to be their just desserts. You know, that's in us, that we want others to be punished. We want God to show grace to us, <coughs> but other people will... When it comes down to the nitty-gritty, that's very often another matter. Or, the other thing he could do was take him back, but have his forehead branded with an F, so that he could remember that even though he'd taken him back into his household, Onesimus was still a runaway slave. But we have to ask ourselves, is that real forgiveness? Is that real acceptance? And how often are we guilty of doing that with people? We say we've forgiven them, but there's something in the back of our minds sometimes that we can't let go of. Something there that we're hanging, hanging on to. Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's a lack of trust, that you can't put your trust in that person anymore. Maybe there's still bitterness there about what's happened. Maybe there's resentment that won't let us let go. And it's still lingering deep down in our hearts. And it's refusing <coughs> to allow that relationship to be restored. And you know, Jesus is just waiting. Jesus is just waiting for us to bring these hurts, to bring these resentments, to bring these bitternesses to him, to get to the root of what the problem really is and to come to him. Because as you find when you weed your garden, that unless you bring up the root of something, it will come back again and again and again. It needs bringing out and it needs cleansing. And then we can have peace with God. But you know, that wasn't what Paul asked him to do. Paul asked him to take this man back, not as a slave, but as a brother. Paul knew that Onesimus was guilty and he doesn't he really doesn't try to hide that fact, but he also knew that Onesimus had changed. He knew that he had changed and that there was new life in him. And he asked Philemon to show God's grace to him. Do we show God's grace to people? God's grace is a love for the people who don't deserve it. God's grace is a love for the poor and needy. Do we show that grace to people? Because that's what he's asking Philemon to do. He's asking him to show Onesimus love, forgiveness and acceptance, even though he's guilty as charged and he doesn't deserve such treatment. But God wants to see the relationship restored and renewed to see his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And the question is now, as it was then, are we willing to let God work in our hearts to bring this about? Are we willing to bow our stubborn necks to take our fearful selves and bring them to God and lay them on the altar before him? Both Onesimus and Philemon find themselves in this letter in very difficult situations. But the answer for both of them was to be found at the cross. The answer to all our problems is to be found at the cross. Onesimus knew Paul was speaking on his behalf but he still had to face the consequences 
of his actions. First he had come to come to the cross to say sorry to God about what he'd done, to repent of his sin. But then he had to return to the people he had wronged. And he had to put things right. And he had to be willing to go back even if they wouldn't accept it. Because that's what God asked him to do. It wasn't going to be easy. But he knew that if the broken relationships were to be healed, he had to do it. So what about Philemon? What was his difficult situation? Well, he found himself being asked to take this young man back into his household. He, asked, he found himself being asked to forgive him for what he had done. He found himself being asked to trust him again. These things are so difficult for us. He found himself being asked to accept him, and not as a slave, but as a brother. <coughs> you know, every feeling and emotion he had would probably be screaming against this. But if those broken relationships were truly to be restored, those emotions would have to be repented of and dealt with at the cross of Jesus. Because that's the place where barriers are broken down. You know, we let feelings such as pride and stubbornness stop us from finding our way back there. But we mustn't. We mustn't. Because it is only there that we find true joy, we find peace, we find contentment. And we find that those broken relationships can be healed. We're not told the outcome. We know from our own experiences that it's easier to push these things under the carpet than to deal with them. But we also know that we lose our peace, joy, fellowship with God and others if we don't. And often, you know, it's not comfortable coming to the cross but that's the way God provided for us, and there is no other way. Jesus is so loving and caring. He delights in sorting out our messes, and he's waiting for you to turn back to him so that he can do that for you. Do you know what the problem is? It's not Jesus. Jesus done everything he needs to to sort you out, and to bring you back to God, and to offer you pardon and forgiveness. And he'll wait as long as it takes. The problem lies in you. The problem lies in me. And the problem is that we will not come to him with these things. But when we do, at the cross, we find pardon, we find forgiveness, we find cleansing, we find healing, we find renewal, and we finally find that we will be restored. Grace covers every situation we can find ourselves in. It's always available for those who turn back to Jesus. And as I walk, I pray that will be me, and I pray that that will be you. You will turn back to Jesus. Amen. And we are going to finish this evening by singing hymn number 167. And these words are taken from Revelation. And these are the words that are going to be sung in heaven. It says, with harps and with vials there stand a great throng in the presence of Jesus and sing this new song. And the song we'll be singing is, 
unto him who has loved us and washed us from sin, unto him be the glory forever. Amen. <laughs>